0: From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. i Hi, this is Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. We have an early uh, holiday gift for you. We're we're here at the National Postal Museum, and we're going to be talking with the Director of the National Postal Museum, Elliot Gruber, in a few moments. What I did want to let you know about first is um, some late-breaking news, and that is President Donald Trump, made a new nomination to the Postal Board of Governors. He nominated William Zollers of Kansas to be a member of the Board of Governors for the remainder of a seven-year term that expires in December 2022. Mr. Zollers is the former CEO of YRC uh, Transportation, which is a worldwide global transportation and logistics company. Additionally, he used to work for Eastman Kodak, and currently he's on the board of directors of Cerner, which is a healthcare and high-tech company. The next step in the process is that the president will send the nomination to the Senate, where it will be referred to the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. Now, let me turn to the director of the National Postal Museum, Elliot Gruber. He has extensive background in the nonprofit community. He was the chief executive officer of the Mariners Museum in Newport News, and also was at the Gettysburg Foundation. So let me ask you this, Director Gruber, talk to me. What brought you to the Postal Museum?
1: Well, good afternoon, and it's a pleasure to be here. I think what brought me to the Postal Museum is the opportunity to reach more people and to have a profound impact on a much greater uh, part of our population. And I think for us, if you look at the Postal Museum, the Postal Museum really reflects American history. Uh, so as goes the, the postal delivery system, so went our country, beginning with the Colonial uh, Postal Service up until today's uh, day and time.
0: You know, it's funny, you know, you, as you say that, people live in the present, but the past causes the present and can dictate the future. So. You only could sort of understand the future of what the Postal Service will be if you understand what the Postal Service was to folks that you mentioned in the colonial era and as the our nation evolved over time.
1: You know, and I think as we look at the, you know, today's millennials or Gen Xs, uh, I look at my sons who are in their 20s, and, you know, they say, well, you know, does anybody use mail anymore? And then you find out, say, hey, well, actually, how do you get your packages? Uh, and, you know, so I think there's an opportunity to really talk about the importance of communication, the importance of binding the nation together, uh, and the importance of really making sure that you, it's, you know, there's a safety in the mail system that you don't find in the email or the electronic system as well.
0: Because as we talk about the evolution as you walk around this, this postal museum, and I invite all our listeners to come here to the museum, it's on Capitol Hill, it's right across the street from Union Station, so it's really accessible, is as you look around how the purpose of the Postal Service has changed since uh, the founding of our nation. I mean, the primary purpose of the Postal Service at the time of the founding of our nation was to distribute periodicals and newspapers. I mean, a lot of the original postmasters of particular towns were actually publishers of newspapers in addition to being the postmasters.
1: And, and that, that is absolutely correct. And I think what's important about the Postal Museum is that we tell the American story in ways that are interesting, ways that are interactive, and I think also ways that are unexpected. And, uh, you know, we have stories about the, the Pony Express. We have uh, objects that have been to the moon and canceled on the moon by astronauts. And, and I think that's what actually takes people by surprise when they come here saying, you know, I'm not sure what, I, you know, what I'm getting myself into and then they find out oh my gosh this is an unbelievable museum
0: that's funny that mate when you talk about uh, mail to the moon i can remember back in college there was a lecture given by isaac asimov who was a a great science fiction writer of the last uh, probably the last within the last fifty years and one of his lectures was mail in space in fact uh... i think there was a series of small articles that he wrote a short stories called mail in space or space mail but what the future of the postal, if we talk about, as we look to the future, interplanetary mail delivery, which is not too, you know, you talk about bringing back mail from the moon or wherever. I mean, it is quite possible that an international postal authority will look back at this, this postal museum about
1: how it's evolved. And, you know, I'm glad you bring that up because we are not just a history museum looking backwards. We're also looking at the present and what's around the corner. What what are the technologies that the postal service and other entities are experimenting with now, and how do we communicate those opportunities? At one point in time, you had segways. So the postal service was considering using segways. Imagine actually if we had a segway here before it reached the general public, and to say, hey, do you think this is a good opportunity for us to, you know, for the postal service to deliver mail via segway, or do you want to get on a segway, or what is it even a segway? So I think intergalactic mail would be an interesting opportunity. Inter- I'm just talking about interplanetary.
0: Oh. <laughs> Galactic <laughs> or interstellar mail service and how it would be delivered. We could talk about that. Maybe uh, the the new Postmaster General after you know, May, you know when May, when Megan Brennan it leaves. will talk about this concept of uh, mail in space. But you know another you know just the concept of binding our nation together. Another sort of sort of science fiction or post post apocalyptic. Uh, novel uh, called The Postman. It made, was made into a movie starring Kevin Costner. Is about a guy discovers uh, an old letter carrier's outfit and starts delivering mail through certain uh, outposts around uh, something that was resembling the West and how uh, he basically tried to bind
1: uh, a post-apocalyptic world together. I have not seen that, but, uh, you know, that's certainly not not irrelevant for what we're talking about. I remember I was
0: working for another postal association, employee association at the time, and they were handing out books. That was called The Postman. Oh, really? uh, And I guess it was in the early 1990s. Let's talk about the evolution of the Postal Service, and it's constantly evolving, particularly now with the challenges confronting it. The first symbol of the United States Postal Service, or Postal Department, or Post Office, was the God of Commerce, Mercury.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It evolved into the Pony Express Rider, and only in the ni- early 1970s did it become the Eagle that we're currently uh, sort of as we currently associate with the Postal Service. Does that sort of demonstrate a certain type of evolution? If so. How would you play out, you know, why the change in the logos over the years?
1: Well, I'm certainly not the historian uh, for that. But uh, I I think having the eagle, which is the nation's symbol, the nation's, you know, uh, identity wrapped up in what the Postal Service is, is extremely appropriate for us. Uh, and uh, you know certainly at different times in the country's development we had the turkey we had some other things uh, that were being considered not for the postal service but for, for the country uh, you know I think the eagle is is iconic and I think so is our postal service because think about all the ways the postal service touches everyone in this country every single day from changes of address to different packages and other mail. And where would this nation be without uh, that kind of system, that postal delivery system that actually, uh, you know, makes a tremendous difference in everyone's lives every single day?
0: And also the evolution of the delivery system is quite interesting also. We started with post roads, which connected the colonial villages and colonial cities. We had stagecoaches, which a little bit further out, we had the railroads where the Postal Service was reliant on the railroads, then the interstate highway system, now air routes. So it's, it's sort of like different ways in which we transport commerce, we transport communications and correspondence, and that's all memorialized in this museum.
1: Exactly. And, you know, you've touched on a lot of different factors there. You have the the Postal Service actually was responsible for the development of the commercial airline industry. Most people don't know that. 1918 was the first time that uh, the Postal Department uh, tested out delivering mail via uh, the air. Uh, And after a few bumps and uh, some turbulence, yeah, I was going to say some turbulence, it actually proved effective. And they contracted that out. And that's how some of the early airlines still in existence today uh, were able to sustain themselves was having contracts with the Postal Department. Uh, You know, there's a reason why this postal museum is in Washington, D.C., right next to Union Station, because at one point in time, most of the mail was being transported by train. And so you have the same thing at the Farley Building, the major post office in New York City, right next to Penn Station. Philadelphia, the same thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, but you also look at other ways the mail was transported. Uh, people, I think, are very surprised to learn that uh, we have artifacts related to the Titanic. Well, what would a postal museum have related to the Titanic? Well, of course, there were five postal clerks on the Titanic three American, two British, uh, because they were actually making sure that the mail was ready from England when it was delivered here to the United States. And so we have, you know, actually uh, there is a one of my favorite artifacts in the museum is the fact that uh, we have a stopwatch, a pocket watch, uh, by one of the postal clerks. And it stopped at 127. And uh, at two o'clock or thereabouts, the Titanic officially sank on April 15th, 1912. And so we have this personal artifact that you can relate very emotionally to and you probably didn't know when you came into this museum that we had artifacts related to the Titanic.
0: What other interesting artifacts would one find in the museum?
1: I think some of the surprising things range from uh, we have one of Amelia Earhart's uh, flight suits. Uh, and we also have, uh, then on the on the other far end, we have uh, a decontaminated anthrax letter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in between all of that, we, of course, have a lot of material related to postal history as well as philately, so we have... I would say, arguably, the most uh, iconic uh, era, printing era of a stamp uh, in American history, and that is the Inverted Jenny. Uh, so we have that. Uh, another, what's the Inverted Jenny worth? Well, it depends on condition, and I am I can't I can give you a broad element of uh, of, of, of of a range, but probably a single stamp maybe between 100 to 300 thousand uh, dollars. There was actually one sheet of 100 uh, that was broken up mostly into single stamps and uh, it's a it's it's a beautiful stamp and it's probably the most well-known printing error uh, of any US stamp
0: wow now there used to I, don't, I still hear the um, the packaging of the Hope Diamond that was sent by registered mail by Harry Winston is that can you talked a little bit about that
1: yeah, you know most people don't realize we have that so I'm glad you brought that up Uh, Yeah, so uh, the Hope Diamond was actually sent by Harry Winston from New York City through this building when it was operating as as the main post office of Washington, D.C., on its way to the Smithsonian Natural History Museum. And so it came through here. Uh, The the delivery uh, service uh, ended up going through to the Natural History Museum where it was unveiled, uh, since that time, I've been actually trying to see if we can do a swap with my colleague over at the Smithsonian Natural if, History You Museum. want the Hope Diamond. I figured, you know, it's time that the Hope Diamond came here, since it was here before it was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I said in return, I'd actually be happy to give you the packaging for the Hope Diamond. Oh, and we could actually unite the two over here, too. I would like that. Uh, what's interesting about the packaging, actually, is it costs roughly about $2.45 to uh, mail the Hope Diamond here. The insurance, which was about a million dollars, cost about one hundred and forty-five dollars, uh, and so I'm not sure too many people nowadays would send anything of that value through whether it's postal service, UPS, or even FedEx. You
0: no, know, I think the, the what most people send re- use registered mail mail for now is to send stock certificates and financial instruments. <laughs> the amount of work it is for the uh, clerk to sort of package a registered a registered piece of mail is rather interesting. Yeah. Let let me ask you, one of the um, issues that sort of, that the Postal Service had been involved in, and that I know that you have certain um, artifacts or certain um, uh, documents relating to it was uh, postal banking. The Postal Service was engaged in postal banking from about 1911 to 1966, then dropped it. There's a lot of debate on Capitol Hill right now are discussion on capital, and amongst some in uh, certain communities, certain communities within the Postal Service about bringing back postal banking in some way, shape or form. Tell me, in the museum, what types of artifacts or types of uh, exhibits do you have on such things as postal banking and postal savings accounts and so forth?
1: Well, we, in our collection, we have a total of probably about six million items. Uh, So we have the second-largest collection of any Smithsonian museum, and that ranges from stamps to printing presses to we have uh, on long-term loan from the Postmaster General uh, over 6,000 pieces of artwork uh, Mm -hmm. that became stamps, most of which became stamps. Uh, And we also have documents that relate to the founding of the postal system uh, back in as early as 1790s.
0: What type of documents would those be? About the founding of the postal system.
1: So we have a document that was signed by then-Secretary of State uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, that actually created the Postal Department. Uh, and we also have what uh, some people would say is the first easy pass, uh, and that is when uh, Ben Franklin uh, allowed his uh, first hire to travel the postal roads that you referenced before uh, without having to pay a toll.
0: Wow. And also what people don't realize is that the odometer that measures mileage was uh, invented by Franklin uh, in order to measure the distance between points on the post, on the post roads, and yeah. he would attach it to the wheels of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the horses that would be carrying the mail, the wheels, the carriages that carry the mail, to determine the distance between Boston and New York and Philadelphia and so forth.
1: I did not know that part of it, thank you.
0: Ben Franklin has invented many things, and the odometer on on behalf of the Postal Department was one of them.
1: Well, and also as the first Postmaster General of the United States, uh, Mm -hmm. we have a special affiliation with Ben Franklin here.
0: What artifacts from Ben Franklin do you have in the museum?
1: The one that really was the most striking to me was the one that he had signed uh, that uh, allowed uh, William uh, Goddard to travel the postal roads, Um, And uh, we also have an interesting document, not necessarily directly related to Ben Franklin, but it's an early map of the United States showing the postal roads and showing the layout of the United States, which, once you get past the first 13 colonies, gets kind of broad. Like, as you look in the Midwest, you kind of see... Just something designated as large meadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, that's a particularly relevant uh, artifact. It's very large and one of the earliest maps of the United States.
0: Do we have anything in the museum sort of as the country expanded, let's say in the Northwest Territory, Louisiana Territory, Ohio Territory, how those routes developed?
1: I'm not sure I've seen a map to that, uh, so I'd have to check on that.
0: Yeah, that uh, I just... Finished reading a book about the uh, the establishment of the Ohio Valley,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and and that was an interest. It was just interesting because there was communications going on between Boston, particularly because a lot of folks from New England settled uh, in, in certain areas of Ohio, and they had a rather sophisticated postal network up in New England. As test- testimony to that fact is the number of post offices in the state of Massachusetts.
1: Well, and, you know, you think of post offices, I mean, there are a lot of artifacts that we uh, work closely with the Postal Service right now in terms of uh, preserving here. We have artwork. We have five very large murals uh, that are part of the Postmaster General Collection showing different scenes, kind of iconic scenes of postal delivery uh, via, you know, a postal courier to someone in a a truck to other ways. Uh, And these murals are probably 10 by 15 feet. Uh, and so we also, as post offices, begin to, you know, make sure that they preserve some of their iconic and historic items, we are actually that repository.
0: For those post offices that were decorated during the New Deal, mm-hmm. that there were a tremendous amount of murals that were created, so these murals would find their way to the, postal, to the Smithsonian and the Postal Museum?
1: Once it goes through the, the historian of the U.S. Postal Service, Yes.
0: Because I know that there is a lot of – as these post offices are closing or being sold um, to protect – there's been discussion about protecting that artwork because they are a part of Americana.
1: And in some cases, you can take that off the wall without jeopardizing the the artwork. In other cases, I know that uh, if a building has been sold, uh, it's been sold with a uh, certain stipulation that the, the new owner will make sure that they care for and treat uh, the, that artwork or that woodwork, you know, and, and other, other things in those historic buildings appropriately. What are the most
0: iconic statements about the Postal services located at the James Farley Post Office? And most of us are familiar with it, but let me repeat it and get your reaction. Neither rain nor snow nor gloom of night stays these couriers from their swift completion of their rounds. That's a a part of Americana.
1: It is, and it really strikes to the heart of the significance of the Postal Service and its relevance uh, in the development of the country and its continued relevance today. Uh, and I would like to see, from a museum perspective, how we can be- better convey those kind of sentiments here for the visitor uh, and to have them understand the significance of the past, and as you were talking about before, in terms of, you know, and the significance of how we work together moving forward.
0: The interesting thing, the, the irony about that statement, it's, it's, it was a translation from the Greek historian Herodotus, apparently uh, dating back to, I guess, somewhere around 500 B.C., talking about the Persian post office. So, you know, this museum is sort of the natural continuation of a postal system created in biblical times.
1: And, you know, I I think you would asked a question earlier about, you know, the, the relevance of the postal museum here. You know, I think... What's particularly important that the visitors see here is their own connection to American history or that part of American history that they like. Uh, We have had repeated surveys done that were considered the family-friendly Smithsonian. Uh, We actually just had a holiday letter writing workshop this past weekend where we had nearly 5,000 people and we had kind of of what we kiddingly say a stroller brigade uh, coming in because that is the future. And if we can capture those individuals and get them interested in American history and in postal service and philately, but really more broadly speaking, I think really it is American history and they will continue to coming back here and really understanding Uh, have a better root and foundation of what it's like to be an American and why uh, they need to help contribute to the growth of our country.
0: Final question. Let's do a pitch for the museum. When are you open? When's the best time to come?
1: Well, as as most Smithsonian's, we're open every day of the year except for Christmas. We open here at 10 o'clock through 530 every day of the week. And I would say the best time to come is the best time that you have your own availability, uh, but subject to that, certainly as most museums were busier on the weekends. Uh, but I would say, I would, I would look at the postmuseum.si.edu uh, uh, and to look at our programs because we have a lot of programs uh, here. Uh, and then I would also put on the calendar June twenty seventh of next year. We're opening up a major baseball exhibit exhibit here.
0: Put that on your calendar, everyone. That happens to be my wedding anniversary is June 27th. So I will bring here. my wife here for her wedding anniversary.
1: If you do that, we need to have a different kind of conversation, unless she's a <laughs> real baseball fanatic. Uh, but I think it's a very good year to open a baseball exhibit, having the, the Washington Nationals win their first uh, World Series. And probably the first—I think it was the first World Series that the the Washington team team has won since about the 1930s, if I recall correctly.
0: So you're going to have a first-day cancellation uh, from that date when they won the World Series?
1: Um, We'll be talking to the Postal Service about that, but uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting artifacts. uh, Because if you think about um, baseball and you think about uh, Postal Museum— we have items from the United States Postal Inspection Service. You know, they confiscate fakes and forgeries. So we have baseball-related material from there. We have original artwork related to the baseball stamps that are here. Mm. But at the same time, from Cooperstown and private collectors, we actually have, uh, we're going to have Ted Williams' uniform that he wore when the season he hit 400. We're going to have Babe Bruce bat that he used in 1920, uh, saving baseball after the, uh, the historic Black Sox World Series. Uh, and so we're going to have some very unusual and interesting artifacts, as well as the premiere of a virtual reality experience that Major League Baseball is doing for us.
0: Well, I look forward to, to that exhibit. I can tell you that. I don't know if my wife will, but <laughs> I will. In any case... I, I thank you for joining to me, meet with me today. This is uh, Director Elliot Gruber from uh, the National Postal Museum. And so I wish everyone to have a great week and a wonderful weekend. I'm going right to down and write myself
1: a letter.